Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast. Ben Micellis here, joined by my younger brothers, Brett and Jordy. How you guys doing today? Doing good. Brother check-in. Jordy, how's that diet treating you? It's going. It's going. It's going. For those who listened to our podcast last week, Jordy could barely get through a sentence. And then when we really nailed down on what the hell was going on with Jordy, we found out he hadn't eaten in like 48 hours because he's trying to get in shape for this imaginary Midas, mighty Midas touch calendar. Jordy, we're going to do it. We're going to do the the update is we're doing the calendar. I'm confirming it here. Now, it might just be a singular month or it might be a full one. Um, but I'm pumped, man. I feel great. I think I'm finally getting into like the swing of it on the workout front. The other day I got a very positive result for, um, one of my clients last year in a case that I was involved in and she was, uh, having lunched, uh, over, uh, by the restaurant that we have in our building, outdoor dining, where she had to sign some of the documentation and she sees me. And the first thing she says to me is, you look really fat. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, it's the first thing that she said to me. You look really fat. And it's just so funny because something like that could really impact me. (laughs) I'm very thick skinned. Very. But particularly that line. So immediately after that line, and there's nothing that I do that is like normal. Um, So when I go run, I have to run like 20 miles and I've still been keeping up with my runs, but I guess that I have been eating a little unhealthier during the pandemic. So I've switched to an all oatmeal diet. Um, (laughs) That can't be healthy. Oatmeal Oatmeal in the morning and then yogurt for dinner. And then I, I walked home yesterday and went to the CVS and I got like a two gallon one of those two gallon bottles of water and i was drinking the yeah and i was drinking the water from the two gallon bottles in the kitchen and my girlfriend was just looking at me and she goes why can't you just pour yourself a glass of water why do you have to do everything so freaking weird yeah, you have to go all the way to all the way to the max. And so Ben had a one two punch a couple of years ago. So I, I got married in, in 2018. And around the same time, Ben was on TV. Ben was the lawyer. Many of you may not know this. Ben was the lawyer that took down the fire festival. I don't know if you remember the fire festival with the FEMA tents set up in uh, the Bahamas. They said it was Pablo Escobar's private island. All these rich kids went down there and there was no festival. There was no luxury accommodations. There was just uh, cheese on bread sandwiches and Ben took the fire festival down but Ben was in a documentary about his experience taking the fire festival down and then Ben was also in my wedding photos that were distributed at around the same time and Ben had a one-two punch of seeing himself in these photos and then at, right after that started running 25 miles a day the fire festival documentary on Hulu and Netflix is what really did it for me. I was, you know, watching it in my living room. I'm like, you know, let's let's watch this. This will be exciting. I'm like, holy shit, I gotta go fucking go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair, to be fair to you there, you were heavy there. You're not heavy now. That was a that comment no, that came out of left field from your client. It was a low blow. It was a crazy comment, but speaking about crazy comments, I want to talk about CPAC. Or is it called QPAC? Or is it called Tupac Shakur? Or is it called Six Pack? <laughs> Which is it, Brett and Jordy? Uh, is this a multiple choice? <laughs> I'm going to go QPAC. Yeah, this is the easiest multiple choice question I've ever had to answer. I wish the SAT was like this. It's QPAC. It's, uh, CPAC is now QPAC. And if you look back in the past, I guess it has been QPAC for a long time. It's long been a place where they put conservative, quote unquote, conservative talking heads on stages to just spew conspiracy theories and lie about the country and, and put forth policy proposals that are destructive to the country. And it looks like this year is about to be 
no different as they get things on. No, Brandon, this year is going to be different. I gotta, I gotta jump in and correct. <laughs> this year is going to be extra fucking crazy. Okay, this year the C is removed and it's now QPAC. Granted, they they still call themselves the Conservative Political Action Conference, but bullshit. This is the QAnon. Tupac Shakur conspiracy version. I still don't know how Tupac is getting looped into this. Because of the Pac, Brett. And they're calling it. <laughs> this is what QPAC is calling it. They're calling their event America Uncancelled because the only thing that QPAC people like Donald Trump Jr., uh, the rest of these crazies, all they care about is their views of things being canceled that aren't being canceled when they are actually the people who cancel everything. It's the most whiny group of people who are coming together. It's the biggest gathering of whiners and insurrectionists since January 6th and, <laughs> si- and, and, and since Toddlers United um, and, and, and I don't even know what the fuck, but they're toddlers, they're fucking insurrectionists, and that's coming to QPAC soon. Here's how you know it's batshit crazy, okay? Mike Pence declined the yeah, invite. He's like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> because Mike Pence, you know, he's like, I'm going to walk into a place where I, all the people want to hang me. Like These are all the people who were shouting yeah, to hang true. me a couple of weeks ago. Why would I go there? They invited the, the guy who told them to. the worst party ever to go to. It's like, yeah. well, you should really go to your cousin's, you know, party. It's like, dude, my cousin tried to hang me three weeks ago. I'm not going to New Jersey to go in front of those people again and be hung. I get that one, Mike Pence. I understand why why you don't want to be there on this one. But they did invite Mike Pence's former friend and boss, Donald Trump, to show up as the keynote speaker of CPAC. And so, guys, uh, this is going to be interesting. A poll came out recently that says 46% of Republicans say that they would disown the GQP for a new Trump party. And Trump is apparently planning this whole show of force. He wants to show that he has total control of the Republican Party and basically declare himself the presumptive 2024 nominee. It's an interesting poll, though, because I think if you gave any poll to Republicans that began with, would you disown blank? I just think that they would naturally say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like Including like, that. would you disown your kids? Like, you know, yeah, Donald yeah, Trump would say, would say yes to that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Would you disown your kids? Would you disown your... It happened to Kissinger. Kissinger's family basically disowned him. We talked about it last week on the pod. Because the people who decry cancel culture are the biggest proponents of canceling other people. I mean, we made a silly graphic that called Trump the cancel culture president a few months ago that had like 50 tweets on it of him trying to get people fired, get people to boycott companies. It's once again, it's always this projection and it's no different than just today. So CPAC has branded itself. This is their freaking slogan of the event. CPAC, America uncanceled. (laughs) And so what happens today? They send out a tweet that says, we have just learned that someone we invited to CPAC has expressed reprehensible views that have no home with our conference or our organization. The individual will not be participating at our conference. So are they not having any attendees or speakers? (laughs) Rules out absolutely no one. That could literally be any individual who is attending the QPAC conference. Here's the thing too with that statement. I don't know what they expressed right now, the timing of this recording, but whatever the views were, I mean, they could be super, super like liberal views or just like a liberal view, or it could be something like totally just racist and ridiculous and <laughs> yeah, like you just they, have no they, idea what side of the spectrum yeah maybe follow. it was somebody who like wanted everyone to have health care and they're like that's reprehensible you need <laughs> to get out of cpac that is no place here we're all about insurrection here not about health care be gone exactly <laughs> talking about there was a speaker who wanted to talk about the green new deal we're aghast <laughs> at the green new deal get which the hell out of here the You're green canceled. new deal is responsible for everything um, so, <laughs> AOC, who raised millions of dollars and Beto O'Rourke, the new Green Deal, which has not been passed, is to blame for all of our woes in Texas under Republican governors for the past decades. And uh, I just like before going into that, the CPAC, QPAC itinerary 
it, these are the main topics that, you know, when you go into your breakout conference rooms, protecting elections, the left pulled the strings, covered it up and even admits it failed states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada. Oh, my. They told you so. This I'm not making this up. These are actually their titles, which is why this is not CPAC. This is QPAC. These people are fucking crazy with a they, Q. They told you so. The signs were always there. Other culprits, why judges and the media refuse to look at the evidence. So once again, this group continues to just spread the big lie that the election was rigged. They don't care that multiple people died because of this sort of rhetoric before. You know what they care about, though, Jordy and Brett? What? Tell me. Muppet babies. They do the care Muppets. a lot. Yeah, they, do. <laughs> they are uh, very much into Muppets. There's a lot of, a lot of Muppet talk today. fucking going crazy over Bert, not this Bert, the real Bert, and Ernie <laughs> and Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. If you want to know what the priorities are of the GOP, look no farther than the Muppets. Ben, I got I got to fact check you there because that's Sesame Street and we're talking Muppets here. We're talking Kermit the Frog, right? Those are, are those different things. Damn, I don't even know. You guys are confusing the know. hell out of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's what they're concerned about. The furry things that... that <laughs> I kind of merged. I think you Muppets. merged Sesame Street and the Muppets together. You know who's going to come after me for that one? Daniel gonna Dale. Write, is gonna, uh, Daniel Dale's going to go <laughs> off on me. I actually don't know as I sit here right now. The <laughs> do you know Jordy the difference? No, I I didn't even know there was a distinction. I just thought it was all one universe, like Marvel, Sesame Street and Muppets in one <laughs> yeah, universe. Just, yeah, just one <laughs> one furry. Colorful universe. One okay, well, furry creature. Well, I'm going to have to be the fact checker here and say they are different. They are, in fact, different things. Um, are they totally different? Kermit totally the Frog. Who's he? A Muppet? He's a Muppet. And so is Miss Piggy. Bert, Bert and Ernie. Uh, oh, you oh, don't see. Know. It's not as easy as you think, Brett. Okay, Smug no, no, no. Brett here's here. here here here's the truth. Here here's the here's the true fact check. You know, they're two me. different. I really don't know. Now I'll tell you. I'll tell you. They're, they're, here here's my honest understanding of it. They're two separate programs. They're two separate shows. But the the characters they're all Muppets. Uh, the characters are all Muppets, and they're all made <laughs> by the Jim Henson Company. Okay, um, so, so it's all so the same, same universe. Company. They're all Muppets. Same universe. Same, I think I like. I think your idea of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is on point. Jordy. Thank you. And but I think they're separate kind of programs. And one of the programs has just been moved to I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> oh my God. One, of, one of the programs has just been put on Disney Plus, which is our not even arguably it's the most popular new streaming service out there. And so before certain episodes of the Muppets air, what Disney is doing is they're putting certain disclaimers on the episodes if they feature outdated stereotypes about cultures and, and things like that. So Don Jr. and the GOP, this is their biggest issue all of a sudden, taking over Fox News and taking over Twitter feeds, that they canceled the Muppets. But like they moved it to the most popular platform. It's now going to be able to be watched by more people than ever. It's a, another thing where these people just like to complain and they're just like the whiniest. Here's the argument, though, to frame it from their side, if you can even get into their mind, that the liberal progressive media is canceling yeah. the Muppets so that they could basically be politically correct. And at the end of the day, there are some Muppet episodes, though, that are kind of incredibly racist and have stereotypes because of the of the lack of cultural sensitivity and horribleness that existed. So calling that out shouldn't be a bad thing. But do you guys remember the Muppet Babies? Definitely remember not. Muppet, 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 Muppet. Baby, baby, baby. I didn't do Muppets. I was a Power Ranger kid from like Muppet Jump Babies. Street. Muppet Babies was one of my favorite TV shows. That's why I probably conflated. It was a cartoon though, and you had Miss Piggy you were, on there. That's how you were brainwashed in the deliberate Muppets, Muppets, Muppets. And then speaking of brainwashed, um, a GOP, we've got Megan McCain and Ben Shapiro calling for the ouster of Dr. Fauci. I love how the GOP did not give a shit one way or another as Trump was literally engaging in a mass genocide of people and couldn't give a crap about vaccination policies. But now they're there with their fucking clipboards saying, how many vaccinations have taken place? Dr. Fauci's not quick enough. 
Dr. Fauci needs to step up his game. And for Megan McCain, it was like, I, Megan McCain, the host of the, the host view, of the view, the host of the view. <laughs> if I cannot get a vaccination right now, think that Dr. Fauci needs to be fired. OK, Megan McCain, I'm just going to be honest, legitimately should be canceled and fired. She is the <laughs> fucking, she is the fucking she's worst. The worst. OK, Megan McCain must go. But that was her big that was her big take on, on, on things today. I'm sleeping better tonight, though, fellas. Do you know why? Why is that? I'm sleeping better tonight for a few reasons. One is because after we interviewed the incredible husband and wife team at one fresh pillow, they were kind enough to send me the pillow. And it is the greatest pillow <laughs> I have ever slept on. I am now a subscriber of the one fresh pillow. I never even knew that you were supposed to have pillow subscriptions before. And yeah. it was fairly disgusting that I would use the same pillow for more than a year. I could imagine that the pillow you're using before that was probably like 20 years old. You probably it was not 20 <laughs> years old. It was about two years old, Brett. But I now am a subscriber of One Fresh Pillow. I got it at OneFreshPillow.com. It was the most comfortable pillow I've ever had. And I love them as guests. That video of them speaking about how they gave the pillows to the troops has gone viral. I was incredibly inspired after that video. Like all like <laughs> even like my wife is like, why do you keep talking about pillows? I'm like, you gotta understand these people are like amazing. <laughs> One fresh pillow folks people are, are legit. Um, but then the other reason why I am sleeping better at night is knowing that the Manhattan District Attorney investigation into Donald Trump is progressing. Um, specifically today in the United States Supreme Court, they've ruled that the Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance can receive Trump's tax records and tax returns and other financial documents. Um, Trump had repeatedly appealed orders from the court saying that, yes, indeed, you do have to turn over financial records to a district attorney investigating you for tax fraud. But finally, this was the last straw. The Supreme Court in they didn't even have to even make a ruling, just in one line saying denied. So Cy Vance will have those records. And um, Cy Vance put out a very terse statement, quote, the work continues. And for people listening and saying, what was this? There's a lot of Trump cases. This is about Trump inflating his property values to get loans while then lowering those values artificially so he could reduce his property taxes. It's also about Trump lying to insurance companies about his assets to try to get insurance policies. And it's also about tax write-offs inappropriate and improper tax write-offs as consulting fees that were paid to Ivanka Trump and others. So that's what the Manhattan DA is investigating. And something of note here, you know who Cy Vance hired to help with the case? He hired a prosecutor named Mark Pomerantz for the inquiry into the former guy's taxes over here. And Pomerantz, for those who don't know, is most well known as being the guy who took down the Gambino crime family. How fitting that we have a guy who is focused on taking down crime families going after Donald Trump. And namely, who was the head of the Gambino crime family? John Gotti. Why do I think that's interesting? Because one of the nicknames that people like to give Donald Trump is Teflon Don, which was also the nickname of John Gotti. But nobody really ever tells you how that story ended. How did things end for Teflon Don? Pomerantz got his ass in jail. And so I think it's very interesting that he is now on this case. The way Teflon Don ended, to correct you, Brett, was with Diaper Don, which Midas Touch created, hashtag Diaper Don, which led the then President Donald Trump to demand the repeal of the Communications Decency Act on Thanksgiving Day. Is that correct, Brett? Yeah, we had an interesting Thanksgiving with the president going after us because he was mad about our diaper tweets. That's, that's and Brett, <laughs> do you know anybody else named Mark Pomerantz? <laughs> Our uncle's name is Mark Pomerantz. There you go. But no relation. But, this is not him, though. This is not it him. It is not our uncle, Mark Pomerantz, who is going <laughs> to be prosecuting Donald J. Trump. Okay. But going to another legal issue, we have today Merrick Garland, 
in his confirmation hearing before the Senate. Merrick Garland uh, is the uh, has been appointed by President Biden as the attorney general. He has to go through his confirmation hearing. Um, I particularly enjoyed uh, the righteous indignation and fucking stupidity of Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley talking about Obama weaponizing the attorney general and the Department of Justice, which is the fucking stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life, considering Donald Trump literally turned the Department of Justice into his own personal law firm. But it's been great and refreshing. To be fair, to Ted he- Cruz has some of that, you know, beach brain going on. You know, he just got out of the sun for for a half a day. You know, I, I could give him a pass. Maybe he's still drunk on some margaritas from Cancun. Who knows what who knows what Ted's doing? I, the, Ted Cruz just <laughs> I don't want to say his name and it'll yeah, make me <laughs> puke on the podcast. But talking about Merrick Garland, if we can play, there is this one powerful clip where Senator Cory Booker asked Merrick Garland what it means to be an attorney general and why you pursued a career in law. And it just was incredibly moving. You know, I come from a family where my grandparents fled anti-Semitism and persecution. The country took us in. And uh, protected us. And I feel an obligation to the country to pay back. And this is the highest, best use of my own set of skills to pay back. And so I want very much to be the kind of attorney general that you're saying I could become. Um, and I'll do my best to try to be that kind of attorney general. I, I believe your heart, and I'm grateful uh, that you are living that might the mandate. I mean, that's powerful right there. It's just nice to actually have people who want to be in public service who are genuinely good people who actually seem like they care about others. I mean, what a whiplash of a difference between what we're hearing at his confirmation versus what we heard at some of the other confirmations over the past few years from, you know, Kavanaugh to Bill Barr and everything. And let's not forget that Garland was nominated by President Obama to the Supreme Court with 237 days to go before the election and the Republicans held him up. Like think, like think about that also. And they rammed through Amy, Amy Coney Barrett like eight days before the election. I am feeling pretty confident that Garland will be confirmed pretty overwhelmingly. There is nobody more qualified or really well-liked across the aisle than Merrick Garland. Yeah, Merrick Garland rose through the ranks. He was a prosecutor. He was then a judge on the D.C. Circuit, which is a stepping stone usually to the United States Supreme Court. He was deprived of his nomination by the machinations of Mitch McConnell and others. And it will be refreshing to have someone who upholds the law. Before we go to a commercial break, Brett, if you can just play where Merrick Garland is asked about what his priorities will be in his pledge to prosecute white supremacists and others who stormed the Capitol. From 1995 to 1997, I supervised the prosecution of the perpetrators of the bombing of the Oklahoma City Federal Building, who sought to spark a revolution that would topple the federal government. If confirmed, I will supervise the prosecution of white supremacists and others who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, a heinous attack that sought to disrupt a cornerstone of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power to a newly elected government. I love that he's making the January 6th attack a priority and holding all those who aided and abetted the attack responsible. He said, like in all investigations, you know, he would rise up the ranks and see everybody who incited the attack and, and, and hold everyone responsible. I think there is probably nobody better suited to speak to us about what happened on January 6th and the current state of America, the GQP, any sort of other domestic threats to our country. Then our next guest who will be here right after the break, will be talking with intelligence expert Malcolm Nance right after this. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We have 
Malcolm Nance joining the podcast. Malcolm is a U.S. intelligence expert and best-selling author. His latest book, The Plot to Betray America, How Team Trump Embraced Our Enemies, Compromised Our Security, and How We Can Fix It is available anywhere you get books. Malcolm, welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. I'm glad to be back. So, Malcolm is back on the podcast. We had Malcolm on when we were on Sirius um, before the election and almost exactly what took place, Malcolm predicted to a T regarding the insurrection. Malcolm said the most dangerous times we will have are between November 3rd and January 20th due to vanilla ISIS and the (laughs) Trump-inspired insurrection. (laughs) And you were right, Malcolm. Is there anything that you were surprised about that took place? Wow, that's a good question. Was there anything I was surprised about? Yes. The thing that I was most surprised about was that right after the insurrection, there was a period of about 10 days where Donald Trump just disappeared off the radar. He made his statement on the 7th, and he made another statement around the 9th or 10th, and that was it. It was like he had signed out of the presidency. And everything that occurred, including the bringing the National Guard into the city, you know, 25,000 National Guardsmen, you know, there were, (laughs) it's really fun because I monitor right-wing extremist chatter. So it's, it's not hard to predict what your, your adversaries are doing when they tell you, Uh, you know, (laughs) thinking they're quietly speaking to each other and getting away with plotting murder. And, you know, you got to remember, I used to work at the National Security Agency and our job is to listen to you without you knowing. And, There's no purer form of intelligence than a guy who thinks he's talking to his mistress or co-conspirator. They don't lie, okay? They tell the truth. And so when Trump disappeared off the screen, it became very surreal because they were really looking for guidance. Like, what do we do now? The FBI has swooped in on us and started to arrest us. And during that period, people were begging Trump for a mass pardon of all of the people who took part in the attack on the Capitol. And I thought he'd do it. I really thought he'd do it, but he disappeared. Mike Pence took over government. And the last time we saw Donald Trump, he was getting on a helicopter to Mar-a-Lago, right? With his wife dressed all in black, (laughs) you know? And, uh, And that was it. And then he was deplatformed. And it's been bliss ever since. And it, to some extent, him being deplatformed has been bliss. But at the same time, who's now been platformed, not deplatformed, though, is what I call the GQP, you know, that the GOP has really been taken over. And during those 10 days or 20 days, you know, there was a struggle. And they were trying to say, who are we going to be? Are we going to be? You know, whatever, when people say Ronald Reagan conservatives, I don't necessarily know what that means, but are we going to be Ronald Reagan conservative? Are we just going to go full Bobbert? Are we going to go full, uh, yeah, what's her name in, in Georgia? Marjorie. Um, Marjorie Taylor. Yeah, Marjorie Green. Taylor Green. I, I'm glad that I met and blacked my name from, you know, her name <laughs> from my memory. But they went full GQP. I mean, do you believe that the Republican Party now is just full QAnon conspiracy theorists led by people like Bobbert and Marjorie Taylor Green? You know, I'm actually writing a book about this, about the coming Trump insurgency. I started it last August. I may have hinted about that last time we talked about it, because I saw that this was just not going to end well for all involved. Um, if, 20, if, if 2012 and 2016 uh, you know, taught us anything, the Republican Party no longer rationalizes anything. They no longer think about what's going on. They are a pure animal movement, it's just pure tribalism. And so they were never going to compromise. You know, for two days or three days after the Capitol attack, they were sort of shamed. And I wrote a Washington Post op-ed about a week later saying, shame them. Just call them out. Say they're insurrectionists, call them seditionists, call them insurgents, call them anything but patriots. But 
as you know, the bass is, is trumpist. I also predicted in this book, you know, uh, and I actually mentioned this on Bill Maher's show on November 6th, three days after the election, that QAnon ideology will take over the Republican Party by the end of this year. I mean, full bore. There, uh, none of the previous trappings had, are, are going to remain. The Mitch McConnell-isms and all that, let's do it for the judges. That's going out the window. What I was really surprised about was how fast that went out the window. You know, in 2012, when Mitt Romney lost, the entire ideology of, of, of the conservative movement was no compromise. From this point onward, forget about the autopsy saying we need more blacks and Hispanics and women. Forget about that. Harder core, more conservative, more Rush Limbaugh in your face. And they pulled Donald Trump out and won. Now they're tripling down on that. They think that they owned the United States government. And since they have now lost it, there is nothing legitimate about the current government. So it's only going to get crazier. You know, Malcolm, it's the whining for me, uh-huh. though. When I see Don Jr. whining about Sesame Street, I mean, these people are the biggest loser whiners <laughs> In, in the world, do you, what is going on there? I mean, look, if you want to be, you know, projecting this image of a strong man, like you see in these authoritarian states, you know, we're projecting the vision of the most whiniest character of just a loser. You know, it's embarrassing to watch. You know, this, you, as you were saying that, this image, you know, I was, I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood in Philadelphia. The first foreign language I ever learned was Yiddish. And the first decrypts I ever did as a code breaker was Hebrew to Yiddish. And, uh, you know, as you were saying that, this image of Mel Brooks playing like the 10,000-year-old man (laughs) pops into my head. And I hear him saying, you know who else was a Vina? Hitler. Hitler was a Vina. And it led us to World War II. That's what pops into my head. They are the worst victims on the planet. They cannot exist within this bubble of them always being the aggrieved party. And you can literally, you know, see a former painter corporal in a bar complaining, you know, how everything was against them ever since the first battle of Verdun, right? And this this is where their mindset is. They are more than, I said tripling down, they're quintupling down. This <laughs> makes them dangerous, though. And you have to take their whining seriously. Uh, again, I monitor these guys, and I watch how they their information bubble will transform a absolute rock solid truth that they empirically have know and have been involved with good example who attacked the capitol building that day i literally watched on their own live streams i had six researchers watching live them attack the capitol through their own live streams and that night donald trump had said to kevin mccarthy the people here are telling me it was antifa tifa Right. I mean, not even hours into his own attack, they had started to re-engineer the, the, the empirical fact that 40,000 of his own people went to that building and several thousand of them stormed it and fought with thousands of videos taken. Nope, it didn't happen. They can do that. Then, you know, these are the kind of people that would deny a, a genocide. Yeah, that reminds me of a famous quote from, I think it was Voltaire, who said, you know, anyone who can make you believe in absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And that's what we're really seeing here. Yes. And one of the tweets that recently I saw you retweeted that comes to mind was, I Mm. I forget who exactly sent it, but it was somebody who said basically that night of the insurrection was the greatest night of my life. There, I said it. And then like two weeks later, they're like, the more I think about the January 6th, the more I think that it was a psyop by the American government. Like, how do you, how do you deal with people like that, that are just so deluded? You can't. And what, and this is what, where we get back into that information sphere that they live in, where they can spin on a dime where the guy will go in and sit at Nancy Pelosi's desk and then swear to God, 
he was never there and that only liberals did this. You know, it's like, dude, you videotaped yourself <laughs> in Nancy Pelosi's chair. It's just like, well, I wasn't the one that led the way. That was Antifa. Was, you know, guys yeah. literally fighting, people being arrested by the hundreds, every one of whom was a Trump supporter. But this is because the, the word that I like to use, we use this in counterterrorism, counter ideology, which is opprobrium, which is large quantities of public shaming. They don't like it. They like it when it goes their way. And then, of course, they, you know, they're like, like Roberto Benini, the famous Italian comic says, like Mussolini, boom, 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 boom. I can walk up and I'm in charge, right? And it's like, but when you get them where, they, 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 where they've lost advantage and face, okay, these people are not going to fall on their swords. They're going to stand up. They're going to take that sword. They're going to sheath it. And they're going to say, that was a liberal sword that was planted on me by, yeah. you know, uh, George Soros and his Black Lives Matter terrorist group. I mean, and then every one of them, like lemmings, will go right over that cliff. And the purpose of it is, is this this innate form of denialism that is, you know, Stockholm syndrome, by the way, it, you know, when you people talk about that, I was a terrorist hostage instructor. Um, Stockholm syndrome is an automatic defensive reaction to the trauma of being captured. So you live in a state of denial and then you affiliate with your captor to where hopes that they will take you in. And then you start believing in your admiration of that person. You believe it. This is another form. We got to call it like Trump home syndrome. Right? I think the Washington Post op-ed called it Mar-a-Lago syndrome. Really? Did they really? <laughs> that is brilliant. Mar-a-Lago syndrome, where you will, as an automatic defensive reaction to being caught out to committing crimes or something that would cause national shame, you literally believe that you were not there or you were not a participant in it, which is how, you know, we get Nazi guards captured 70 years later in Tennessee, right? I mean, these guys are, I was never in, in, you know, I was, I was never in Bergen-Belsen or, you know, uh, Auschwitz or, or Dachau. You know, I live in Tennessee. I'm a good old boy. It's like, yeah, but we have your ID card and your visa and your application. <laughs> I mean, Mar-a-Lago syndrome, it never happened. That's brilliant. I'm really going to have to incorporate that into my writing. <laughs> you got to use it. <laughs> I will. So, Malcolm, I almost am afraid to ask you this question because your yeah. predictions are so right. But what are you fearful? Um, what should we be most concerned about looking forward? What keeps you up at night right now? Well, what keeps me up at night is, again, I, I monitor these idiots. I literally get up at three in the morning to see what their little midnight writings are. Because, you know, that's when the, the, lick, the, you know, the brown liquor comes out and their tongues get a wagging. And they start saying to themselves, what's our breaking point now? Right. There's this, this one forum where that was it. What's our breaking point? You know, and th after a while, they start all sounding like, you know, the, less like the guys who went out at Concord, more like the guys who started ambushing the British after Lexington. They live, by the way, like ISIS. They live in a historical fantasy world where they believe they are the modern living recreation of the revolutionary Minutemen. And they all refer to themselves as patriots and everyone else in America as communists. And it's bizarre how they do that. ISIS and Al-Qaeda did that. They used to believe they were the modern extraction of the Prophet Muhammad's immediate close companions, which is why they could just mass murder Muslims with impunity because they're like the original ones and none of you are good Muslims. Same thing with these guys. They, they have this belief that they are raw patriots. One guy actually said it. My favorite piece of all of the video that I saw on the Capitol protest was one guy going down Statuary Hall and going, oh my God, this is amazing. We should have revolutionary war music. It's like, what? It's, it's, it's like revolutionary okay, it's, war cosplay. Like what? Yeah, that's exactly it. Oh my God. In the cosplay, I'm part of one of these um, um, we, we, groups where I'm trying to identify the individuals and we're trying to separate military 
former military personnel or cops from cosplayers, right? And I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them came dressed up in their favorite star, you know, stormtrooper costume, dressing like they were Delta Force. And it's bizarre the amount of money they expend on body armor carriers with no body armor in it and helmets, you know, $35 Chinese skateboard helmets to look like the $2,000 special operations helmet. And they stormed the Capitol in this. And yeah, I mean, you know, they should, if I had been part of this, I I tell you, I would have, I would have done a psyops where I said, you're not a real patriot unless you're wearing a tri-corner hat, right? (laughs) With with a feather sticking out of it and you call it macaroni. And these guys would have done it. (laughs) Insane. Insane. So, Malcolm, there was also that report, I think you may have saw today, that the FBI is investigating the phone records of some lawmakers from the day of the insurrection. Yeah. So what happens if and when the FBI finds that there were, in fact, some bad apples within our own government? What what happens? You know, there is no immunity for crimes. Okay, you can't say, well... Yeah, my constituents were out on the Western Portico uh, and stairways below the scaffolding of the Capitol doing fist battle with, you know, Washington, D.C. police and spraying bear spray into their eyes, which resulted in, you know, a hundred some odd officers injured. And I took his call. (laughs) No, I mean, it's just like, hey, man, how you doing? You don't take constituent calls in the middle of a national security emergency. These people are in lockdown. And if the FBI finds, you know, I'm less concerned about the members themselves, although I'm sure some of them were real idiots. I'm more concerned about the staffers. Staffers come in two flavors. They come in as professional DC careerists who want to keep their job in their house up in Adams Morgan, their apartment in Adams Morgan. So they can all hang out at Cafe Trist and pretend like they're real metropolitan uh, bureaucrats. You know, uh, it, you know, if they were in Egypt, they'd be wearing little red fezes and they can still be conservatives without being a big C conservative and still go out to Ethiopian restaurants. Uh, then there's the political people they bought with them who be crazy. Right. And these people <laughs> are. Yeah. These people are the ones who come in because they are true believers or the kids of the true believers of their their people who gave them political or financial largesse. And those are the ones who are just nuts. Right. They are Trump lovers. Some of the bureaucrats can get away with, yay, Trump, I got my red MAGA hat and, you know, y'all all meet me down on U Street Corridor. And we're going to go raving, you know, uh, we're clubbing with the black people. The Trump true believers are not those people. OK, they go to one Irish pub, you know, because it's the one that they the one near Union Station. What is it? The Dubliner, right? I know all of your references. I went to law school and undergrad there. So it's particularly striking. Home well, the reason they go there is because that's where Harrison Ford filmed Patriot Games when he was Jack Ryan in the movie so this is how these morons think also they don't want to be around liberals so there's virtually no other place they can go that in the hotel where the proud boys were hanging out so you know those people are hardcore and they are the people like the one staffer who went to the top and did video like yay look at us while you're storming the barricade you couldn't stand on the top of the Capitol and look down west and not see literally flagpoles with American flags and Trump flags being used as spears, spears flying through the air. One guy had his face shield shattered by one. And you know what it takes to, to shatter a Kevlar, you know, a Plexan uh, face shield? Sheer force. You know, but this guy was up there cheering. And well, who was he communicating with? Were there people communicating with Roger Stone? Were there people communicating with the White House? If it shows conspiracy, People need to go to prison, period. And it seems like we're finding more and more about this 
conspiracy happening. I know you mentioned the Proud Boys, but we're finding out about this other far-right militia group right now, the Oath Keepers. Oh. One of their leaders is claiming to have met with Secret Service agents on January 6th, which could tie the White House even closer to the insurrection than we even knew before. And a new court filing says that she was providing security for legislators and others. I mean, what do you make of that? And what else do you think we're going to find out as this investigation continues to January 6th? I think Jessica Watkins is the is the young woman's name, former army captain. She was like a medic or something and former army lieutenant, I think. But it doesn't matter. She was a member of the group, the Oath Keepers. The Oath Keepers was started long ago. I remember when they tried to recruit me. Uh, that was supposed to be American soldiers and former American service members and law enforcement and active duty who would swear an oath to that they would never take up arms and use government forces against American citizens. And this all came about with, remember years ago, there was a special operations training exercise, which was really a mirror image exercise of like infiltrating Iran uh, called Jade Helm. And it was carried out in Texas and it was going to be guys in civilian clothes and law enforcement were going to be looking for these joint special operations guys who are going to be like infiltrated into New Mexico by little black helicopters. And the right wing went crazy that the U.S. government was carrying out this exercise. And then when it happened, nothing happened. But this group by, led by a former soldier named Stuart Rhodes called themselves the Oath Keepers. And they were like, you're using this to have black helicopters coordinate with the U.N. to invade America. Swear an oath that you won't do it. Uphold your oath that you won't invade America and use your guns to put us into FEMA camps. That's what all that was about. So this crazy group has, it, it, they're, they're an extremist group light. They're more like, uh, you know, uh, 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 they're not a militia per se, but a lot of them did start coordinating in small groups to where they were planning to attack the Capitol. Every one of them was wearing body armor and all their cosplay gear you know, doing their live action role play of, you know, you know, meal team six, uh, but, you know, out of, <laughs> out of shape. They had all sorts of insane fantasies going on. There was a lieutenant commander who was part of their group who claimed that he was positioning armed men with weapons in a boat, get this, at the yacht basin that sits directly in front of the Pentagon's main entrance and that there would be a quick response force that would jump onto these boats with weapons and body armor and zoom over to the Capitol in case they needed their heavy weapons of AR-15s and everything, right? This is the fantasy island that these people lived on. And that guy was a, he was a Navy, uh, he was a former Navy officer who was an FBI section chief. But he lived this fantasy. I mean, this man would know what capability the FBI could muster if they had done what we call an all guns call. Right. The Capitol is under attack with armed militants. Then literally every gun, every federal officer, GSA security guy at the at the checkpoints of the Smithsonian would storm over their guns ablaze. Right. These people have no idea. They got off because the Trump administration turned off all the security that would have responded to that. Because, of course, they're they are they look they're Trump voters and they look like people who aren't Black Lives Matter. And therefore, they can come with body armor, poles, uh, a guillotine, not a guillotine, a, a gibbet, a hanging platform that they put up a sign next to it that said this is art but hung a noose in it and then went hunting for Mike Pence. You know, it's just utterly amazing that that the one shooting that did happen there actually did break the assault on the Capitol. They suddenly realize, hey, these guys are serious. Uh, you know, maybe we should stop. But, you know, they felt they had victory because they felt they stopped the, the, the count. And they were furious that night. Oh, my God, you should have seen their telegram channels the night that the count went forward and they certified that election. I mean, it was it was mean. 
Malcolm Nance, keep doing the hard work for us of looking through the telegrams and the gabs and the parlors. We we appreciate you being the one to spend 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning looking at it. But honestly, thank you for sharing the info with us on Midas Touch. Come back anytime. Um, Malcolm's book, his latest book, The Plot to Betray America, How Team Trump Embraced Our Enemies, Compromised Our Security, and How We Can Fix It is available anywhere you can get books. And Malcolm, I'm super excited for your next book. When do you think that'll come out? Oh, probably this summer. And hopefully, well, I, I've almost finished it. I mean, it's like 80% done. I actually waited around just to see what would happen after to the inauguration, the run up to the inauguration. Now I had to put in two <laughs> new chapters. So we'll be seeing that soon. And uh, you, I'll come back and talk to you about it. It's one It's one of those things, though, where I hope the book is shorter, because if it's longer, it means we're totally fucked. Malcolm, <laughs> thank you for joining the Midas Touch podcast. And I look forward to talking with you this summer. All right. Take care. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. So, guys, during the break. Um, I was thinking to myself earlier in the podcast, I referenced a, uh, it's a toddler convention, a convention of yeah. toddlers. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, thought, I, I still have no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. I, was referring to nursery, I was referring to nursery school. Okay? <laughs> referring to nursery school. So that's what my reference was. That's a there. show, nursery school? Nursery school. I don't know. I think I was just trying to say nursery school. Like um, the school. But- just to clarify, <laughs> the school. That toddlers- it's flabbergasting, but give me a little break here, especially I deserve a break given just how bad the actual like mainstream media is. I was trying to turn on the TV this Sunday to watch these these Sunday shows, and it was like a fucking greatest hits of all of the big lie Trump supporters who all of the mainstream media brought on. And basically let them spew these lies unchecked. If we can see, Brett, um, Steve Scalise, for example, went on one of these shows and was just given a platform to blabber the big lie. Uh, But clear this up for me. Joe Biden won the election. He is the legitimate president of the United States. The election was not stolen, correct? Look, Joe Biden's the president. Uh, There were a few states that did not follow their state laws. That's really the dispute that you've seen continue on. Either we're going to address the problems that happened with the election that people are still, millions of people are still concerned about. The Constitution says state legislatures set the rules for elections. That didn't happen in a few states. Okay, okay, we got it. Why? First off, that was ABC's This Week, number one. Number two... Yeah, this Why? isn't Newsmax. This isn't Fox News even. These are like mainstream channels that are broadcasting to everybody's home. And all it does when you put these people on TV like this is it legitimizes the things they are saying and it gives them more exposure to a wider group of people who then may think, you know what, maybe there was some funkiness with the election. Maybe there was something going on. And to do this, especially in the face of an insurrection where people died, to still have these people on, I mean, that should be... First off, why do you want a guest on who you know is not going to be telling the truth to your viewers, who you know is going to be lying to your viewers? You know, this should be a litmus test where if somebody refuses to acknowledge the fundamental fact that Joe Biden was elected in a free and fair election, you should cut them off and not let them come on the show. There's no. Well, here's the thing, Brett. I, I somewhat disagree with you there. If you want to let somebody on the show, you just have to be prepared as the interviewer to appropriately check them and be ready to cross examine them and have the facts. Yeah. I'm all for sharing the views. And if you watch sometimes, especially on the media in Australia, I mean, these Australian newscasters will have people on who say crazy shit and they shut them down in a second. And so to me, if you want to have the crazy views, have the crazy views, but you got to say, excuse me, sir, let me interrupt you there. Trump went to 70 courts. Would you concede that he went to 70 courts? Would you agree that many of those judges, in fact, probably the majority of those judges were Republicans and within them, many judges themselves who Trump appointed? No, no, shut the fuck up for a second. Do you agree with me <laughs> that that's true? Yes. 
And so do you believe in our judiciary system or are you just appointing yourself judge, jury and arbiter of everything? Is that what you consider yourself? We just throw it all out. Is that what you're saying, sir? And then shut them off, because if you're going to have them be ready to do that. And if you're not going to have a media, don't let these crazy GOP QAnon conspiracy theorists on. If you can't handle that type of interview, don't do the interview in the first place. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's the problem. And there are, you know, some incredible journalists out there who do a fantastic job of checking them. But that's not nowhere, this Sunday. Yeah. But that's nowhere to be seen <laughs> on these Sunday shows. So what they're doing by having these people on when they're so woefully unprepared to handle it is they're just giving a platform to lies and, and destructive comments. That's why they go on those Sunday shows. And you know what? He does a good job, actually. Cuomo does a really good job. If you watch Cuomo's interviews with Ted Cruz, Cuomo doesn't let him off the hook. Cuomo's a good cross-examiner. And so for the Sunday shows, you better have people doing those interviews who are capable and have the skills to think on their feet and to be able to go toe-to-toe with the dumb conspiracy bullshit. Otherwise, you're just giving it a fucking platform. Sorry, I had a, as a litigator, as someone who cross-examines for a living, I had to go on that rant because I'm just thinking, go put the facts in and be aggressive. Why are you just letting the person talk? Control your interview. I mean, as a lawyer, what you do when people are bullshitting you is you pinpoint exactly where they're going and you find the lies and you ask them until they're kind of boxed in, right? It's like, your it's, show. It's, just say, excuse me, sir. <laughs> excuse me, sir. No. I'm not going to let you just blabber bullshit. Excuse me, sir. Let's get to the facts. Fuck Chuck Todd. Yeah. Jordan <laughs> says Chuck Todd looks like rolling shit. I mean, they're identical. You can't even say they don't. There's no arguing it there. They might be twins. We got to look does, into this. He does look exactly like. All right, shit. Brett, that rant took me a little longer than I wanted to, but I'm glad I did it. Give us a few updates on Texas and give us a few updates on what's going on in the Biden administration. And let's close this show out. Let's do it. Well, Texas, as of now, AOC has now raised over $4.7 million for Texas, which is just like astonishing, just incredible that a congresswoman from New York has raised this amount of money for Texas. Beto O'Rourke has raised over $1 million and he's made over 784,000 wellness calls to seniors to make sure that they're all doing okay, getting the medication they need, nowhere to go for basic supplies. Julian Castro raised over $400,000. A bunch of other Democratic lawmakers, including AOC, have volunteered at local food banks in Texas. Meanwhile, uh, Ted Cruz flew to Cancun, uh, flew back, uh, did a couple Fox News appearances blaming it on his daughters uh, and scheduled some photo ops of him uh, p- picking up some gallons of water. I think he gave about four <laughs> water bottles out to people. I think there was, uh, it was Comedy Central, um, The Daily Show, where he said that, AOC gave $4.7 million, whereas Ted Cruz gave 4.7 bottles. <laughs> I mean, the photo op, it's just a bizarre photo, too. It's him carrying, like, a very small case of water and putting it into someone's <laughs> trunk. It's like, at least put, like, other cases behind you to make it look like you're giving out multi. The whole photo thing. I said, well, I said the photo doesn't tell the whole story. He's probably stealing the water from their car. He's definitely stealing the water. Like, Brett, give us some Biden updates. There's an unfortunate and sad update that we, we just passed in this country. Over 500,000 deaths due to COVID in the United States. It's a really, really sad and somber milestone. But I think what gives me comfort here is having a president who acknowledges that this is real and that this is going on and acknowledges the crisis that we're facing. Uh, Jen Psaki on Monday morning said that President Biden is going to order flags lowered to half staff for five days in memory of the half a million American lives lost due to COVID. So while you have Governor Ron DeSantis wanting to lower the flag in Florida for racist Rush Limbaugh, we have a president in the White House who is lowering the flag in memory of those who lost their lives to COVID. And not only that, the White House is planning a candle lighting ceremony for the victims. Once again, I think this is incredibly important for the national healing and to acknowledge the reality of the crisis that we're facing. Biden also today announced a program for small businesses. And what it's going to be is small businesses under 20 employees are going to have an exclusive two-week window to apply for federal loans. We all remember the chaos 
of the PPP program, the PPP loan program, in which there was money that was supposed to go to small businesses, but surprise, surprise, ended up going in the coffers of Trump donors and Trump loyalists. Biden is hoping to correct that and give money to businesses who need it most. Not only that, Joe Biden is expanding COVID-19 testing for schools and underserved communities and is increasing manufacturing of testing supplies. And America is now officially back in the Paris Climate Agreement. We're back to talking about Muppets, color of suits, the Republicans saying that Biden's dog is ugly. We're back to, you know, look, those are the dumbest things in the world, but I'd rather be talking about those things and talking about how stupid they are than talking about insurrections than having Trump's, oh, those horrible PTSD inducing tweets and statements and abuser like everything. So America's back. Speaking of, though, I think, Jordy, for next episode, maybe we're coming mm-hmm. up on March, right? There's a lot of dumb ass shit being said right now by Republicans. What Ooh. what if we made I know where you're going at, with this? What if we made a bracket of the dumbest statements made? And it's going to be an ever growing list. And we pit them against each other in our own version of March Madness. I'm now accepting ideas for names. I like it. I like I like the whole thought. March badness. March bad. Top March, of the dome right now. I got to figure this out, though. That's good. That's good. So we could make our bracket and then ask you, the Midas Mighty, which is the dumbest statement made in 2021, and we could figure it out. We got to include some 2020, though. We got to put some parameters on this. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. out. Tell you all the rules. Major topic of the next podcast. Jordy will set the meticulous ground rules, right, Jordy? I can't wait. I love making it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Midas Touch Podcast. Download new episodes every Tuesday morning, every Friday morning. We thank you for your support. We thank you for listening. And until next time, Ben, Brett, and Jordy signing off. Shout out to the Midas Mighty.